All right. We are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. I am excited about this conversation. I've been wanting to have this conversation for quite some time. When we're talking about closing the racial wealth gap, when we're talking about uh, having a vision for our people, I want to sit down with people who are already doing the work. It's already part of their mission. And I want to understand with clarity, well, how do they see us getting there? So on today's episode, we have Brittany Rose, the uh, co-founder of Women in Real Estate, to join us on Black Equity Podcast. Welcome, Brittany, to Black Equity. Thank you so much. And thank you for the platform to have this conversation and the willingness and the just all of your positive energy towards uh, a common goal. Definitely, definitely. For those who don't know who you are, um, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get involved? Uh, in the space that you currently are in. And then I look forward to to really deep diving and, and going further with you on this on this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Brittany. I'm from the DC Metro Virginia area, DMV. Um, and uh, I took a, a long way around getting into real estate. I've always had a passion for it, always had a passion for entrepreneurship, always had a passion for serving others. Um, but went to, you know, did, did the traditional route, went to college, went to Virginia Commonwealth University, um, graduated from there. While I was there, I started a cheerleading company, which I ran for about 15 years, taking it from just, uh, my college apartment to a multimillion dollar organization. Um, had a lot of fun, really loved it. Um, but it wasn't the best vessel for what I wanted to ultimately achieve. And so when the pandemic hit, I got a lot of time to sit down and get clear. And part of the reason I I did that was because we had started Women in Real Estate. And part of what we do with our members is sitting down and kind of establishing your core values, your personal mission, your why statement, um, your goals, like all, all of those things. And so in teaching others to do that, I did it multiple times and really dug into what I wanted to accomplish. And that was really serving in a capacity um, that was going to make the biggest impact that I believe I could make with my life. And that's to help eliminate the racial wealth gap in our country. Um, I've been in real estate for a long time. My mom was in real estate. So I grew up around it and in it. I worked for title companies. Well, I interned for title companies. I worked for builders and developers. Um, I my first foray into real estate was a disaster. <laughs> um, and then from that, I I figured, well, I've made all these mistakes and I've lost all this money. Let me make sure that people coming up behind me won't do the same thing. So got my real estate license, practicing realtor in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, soon to be Texas, um, currently building a nationwide real estate team, um, both commercial and residential through EXP for WIRE, and uh, also now a fund manager um, doing my first development deal. Um, just really honestly living the dream. <laughs> I know awesome. it sounds so facetious, but it really, I just, I am astounded at how blessed I've been. That's awesome. And congratulations so far on your journey. Um, I know sometimes as investors, 
we tend to not take a time to kind of, um, I guess there's a little bit of a pun here, smell the roses, right? Yeah. Um, so I want to say congratulations. I know there's what you know way more to do and more to accomplish. Uh, but on this episode, I want to celebrate that and then take a look back and forward of what you've learned and where are we going as a community, uh, how we can help solve the racial wealth gap. There's a big key word you said, and I really do listen to every word that people say. You said service. You said it like two or three times, serve, service. Why is that so important for you to make sure that you're serving the people that are coming behind you that are just now getting into real estate, or maybe they were in real estate before, but didn't have the best experiences. Why is service so important for you? Wow. I'm glad you picked up on that because it's really important to me. It is a core value for me. I don't think that there is anything more impactful that I could do with my life than to serve others because my individual success is finite and and it's so limited on a grand scale. But if I dedicate my life to making sure that everybody around me is getting to where they're trying to go, the ripple effect, um, I, I think, is exponential. And you can just have so much more of an impact with the time that you're given by just helping everybody else. Mm, I agree. I've noticed, it's just my experience, and you can share yours as well. I've noticed that service isn't always the first thing on everyone's mind when it comes to business or real estate. It tends to be money. Just, I'm just throw it out there. It tends to be, how much money can I make on a deal? Um, what's the biggest possible um, deal that I can do? It's It's really... You know, I've been studying this now for about four years publicly, and I've been uh, interested in this topic for like 20 years. And the, I think the saddest part for me so far has been the conversation around it being about money. Although I know money is important, I know that money is, is a part of this thing, I have found myself at times frustrated uh, and saddened that service and helping the person right next to you and uh, caring about other people, just normal things I thought would be, uh, I thought would just be normal. It hasn't necessarily been on the forefront. Um, how do we instill that into our community where service is at the top of everyone's mind and it's not just about the money? That's a great question. I think it comes from a lack of resources and abundance, particularly when you're growing up. I've been incredibly blessed. I have amazing parents. I grew up in a very like safe, secure, loving environment. And I think that there's a level of privilege that I've received because of that. And that translates to me not being as worried about survival um, so that I can worry about the survival of others. Right. So I, I, money is still a motivator. Don't get me wrong, because in our society, money equates to safety, security, and freedom, which are, are, you know, some of the most important things that we need to live successful lives, to, to live fulfilled and happy lives. 
Um, so I can understand the focus on money. And I, I will admittedly be like, when I'm looking at a deal, like, oh, so what does that look like? You know, what is, what is the profit on that deal going to be? It's still important to me. Um, so I don't, I definitely don't want to come off as a too altruistic, but I, I really think it comes down to being in a place where money starts to lose the amount of, of like gratification that it once had when you don't have basic resources or even when you do but you just don't have um enough stability or you didn't grow up in an environment that was super stable you know money is is the number one thing the the number one focus and then I think as you move through getting um to a point I think there was a study that said like once you make over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars like everything kind of starts to become like all the same. I think once you start getting to that point, it really does start becoming all the same. And you start looking for ways in which you can um, fulfill yourself through things that are not money. And usually that's through helping other people. Um, I think that that also comes down to our conversation that we were kind of having prior to to the podcast on on mm-hmm. my on Instagram sure. about women and men mm-hmm. because I think in there are a lot of podcasts a lot of conversations that I think are super simplifications like very broad simplifications of um people but I will say in my experience in watching interactions um, of between women and men or, or how women and men think, I'll say women tend to be more community-minded. And I would say that if you're having the same conversation with 10 women and 10 men, you're going to hear more of the conversation lead to financial resources and money from the men than you would from the women. And that is not to vilify anyone. Um, That's just to say in our upbringing and in our society, men have traditionally been charged with protecting and providing for their families. And women have traditionally been charged with providing nurturement. And I don't think that's a word. To be nurturing (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, to their families. And so our mindsets work differently and our thought process works differently and and we need both. Um, But I think that that some of that stems from from who you're having the conversation with. Okay, well, you've opened up the door here for us to jump into that. And you know, I I already told you, I got notes. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And please throw the stats at me, throw it all at me. I'm going to, on this particular topic, I'm going to agree with you. From what I've seen, um, the guys uh, in the public eye who talk about this type of topic, I can only base it off of the public eye. They tend to focus so much on the money that I think a lot of the guys have lost, uh, I'm not even sure if they ever had it, I don't know where the core values are. I don't know where the principles are. I don't know what you will say no to. I think Mm. a lot of these people will just take any check that will come to them. And especially if a celebrity is attached to it, I I, I think you are right. 
that being said, there are still, you, you know, we you say nine out of 10 guys would probably do that. There's still that one or two women out of those 10 women who would do that as well, who are, are uh, willing to sacrifice everything in order to be seen, in order to be on the front page of things. And I think that is a, I'm open to hearing your, your thoughts. I think that sometimes can be a, a huge distraction from us having this uh, wealth gap closed when people are trying to push to the front and be seen so much, men and women, mostly men, be seen so much that it uh, deters the movement of it being a collective and that's what concerns me. And we'll talk about the comment that you and I talked about on Instagram, um, you know, after you you give your take. But that that was the only thing that concerned me about your comment. Because it is it's both. It's men and women. And so we got to be careful. Well, which women are we talking about? And which men are we talking about? And what is the character tied to them? There's so much that you said there that we have to unpack. Let's do that, it. I mean, this conversation can, yeah, I mean, there's so many levels to it. One of the things that stood out to me when you were speaking, which isn't a word you said, but it, it was a word that came to me, which is patriarchy, mm, right? Okay, okay. Unfortunately, being in the society that we're in, being in American culture, um, you know, our, our society is built off of patriarchy and the closer you are to male heterosexual whiteness, the more advantageous it is for you. And there is no, there is no blame to be doled out to either black men or black women. This is the society that we've we've been put in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think black men have to be very mindful about how they view their relationships and partnerships with women in a society that has trained us all to believe in patriarchy. And so what I'm saying is, yes, men will align themselves with people who are not for the culture to get a to get a check and not only to get a check but to get notoriety notoriety I you know in Clubhouse came out in I guess 2020 and there were um I spent a lot of time on the app a lot of conversations it was amazing I had so much fun but slowly but surely there started to become some presences um in these rooms that we had created that were such safe space for for black education and and black wealth development and you started to notice that black men were very quick to align themselves with someone that they deemed you know i'm trying to choose my words carefully I'm not going to choose my words carefully, but go ahead. (laughs) Um, Someone that they deemed more successful, more powerful, Mm. um, and and by the standards of our society probably is. But what was the cost to Black people who were in that space? Because instead of 
us having conversations about um, investing within each other, it became, oh, go invest with this white man. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a problem with investing with a white man, but when you have a a, a pool of Black people and, and the capability for us to serve our own communities and, and put people in leadership that are there with community in mind, community first, not profit first, I think that should probably be the avenue that we're leaning towards. And when those conversations were had offline, I was surprised at how Black men were very dismissive of the issue. And I was also surprised at how um, easily bought they were. So I say that to say, when we are in a society where being closer to white and being closer to male and being closer to able-bodied and being closer to heterosexual, like it's, it gives you financial advantage and your only focus is financial advantage, then we come to the place we're in now. And that is why I made the comment that I made about the talented 10th. Yeah. We're, and I, I definitely want, to, to dive into that. And we're, I think where the momentum is going to get us there because I really want to hear your thoughts on it. And then hopefully my two cents that I throw in actually is more like seven cents. The seven cents that I can throw in there, maybe it could sway you a little bit um, and, and maybe add a little bit more to the theory. Um, but we'll get there. So it's funny you mentioned it. I was late to Clubhouse. I'm just, we're, we're still getting to know each other. Hopefully we get, get to know each other for the next 30, 40 years. I'm not the kind of person that really hangs out in groups or uh, like huge group settings or I'm more of a one-on-one guy. Like the conversations that you and I will have one-on-one will be way better than if you bring five other people to the table because I really won't say much. I have one-on-one connections with people and that's the way I've always enjoyed it. I mean, I could talk to three or four different people at one time. I just prefer one-on-one combos. It just flows better. The energy is not um, diluted by anything else. Mm-hmm. When I came on Clubhouse, I was late. And by the time I got there, these people are already sold out. So mm. you've got the chance to see the origins of who you thought they were going to be. And I got to see who they are. And once I got there and I saw that they had sold out to these white people or people who appear to be white, I said, oh my goodness, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. Also, then this person can be on the show. Also, then they can be part of this real estate deal. Also, they can take a picture with the person and have it on social media. Also, then it could be a part of a status symbol. And I might mess this quote up a little bit, but uh, status is a zero-sum game. Mm. It gets to a point where uh, I have status only because I don't want them to have status. And that's what makes my status of an importance. So I have to push other people down in order for my status to have any type of true value. And that's what I noticed as soon as I got on Clubhouse. And people were worshiping. They were worshiping money. They were worshiping other people. And I said, this cannot be happening in real life. But it was. It was happening. 
And to your point, there was a lack of accountability. And I know why there was a lack of accountability. Because there wasn't a space for someone like me to get on stage and say, this is all bullshit. Everything you're doing is bull. Someone has to call this thing out. They control who comes on the stages. And if you say anything, then you're a hater. And so the men that could possibly bring some type of balance to these other men who are selling out aren't allowed to speak. They're called haters. They're told to shut up and go in a corner somewhere. We're making the money. And that's what Clubhouse be, uh, became a microcosm of what's really going on out here uh, in the regular non-virtual world. That's what I noticed as soon as I got on the app. Sorry. Now, I wish that you had gotten there in the beginning because the beginning was the most transformative professional experience I've ever had mm. because I I had done research. I had looked for Black developers. I had looked for, for these people who were doing these incredible projects and had not found them. And this was the first space that I encountered that had highly successful Black real estate professionals from all sorts of niches that were willing to freely give their time and information. And really like I I learned more from a couple months of being on Clubhouse than I've ever learned in my life, mm. particularly about real estate. I mean, the like what's so interesting about real estate is like there's no one size fits all. So what works in one market, what works in one niche doesn't necessarily translate to another. And so like I had been wanting to be in development for a very long time, but there's very limited information available. Um, you know, there's only a couple courses that I've ever found. And even once you do all of that, it every deal is different. Every market is different. And you really have to be connected and resourced to be successful in the space or you gonna get your ass handed to you a couple times until you can figure it out and so coming in a clubhouse um just like these some of these people have become my best friends and have given me more opportunity more knowledge more experience than I would would have gotten in probably the next 10 years. Wow. Were you so able... I'm so sorry you weren't there for that no, part. No, no. Well, the, the good part for me was I was developing relationships mm -hmm. before Clubhouse. I mean, I'm sure you were too. I'm just saying, I the, the weird thing is, well, before I say this, and I want to also acknowledge what you said. I commend you for getting there early, having those conversations, developing those relationships, <clears throat> being part of the crowd in a way, or the the uh, the community is a better way to put it. And then also being able to have, uh, is it foresight? Uh, be, the awareness. To be able to have the awareness, hold up, there's a shift here. Like, what's going on? Like, this beautiful thing that we, we're having is shifting in a way. And so I want to acknowledge that because not everybody can do that. Sometimes, like you've put the, you ever heard of the, the science experiment 
where you put the the frog in the boiling water, or if you put the frog in the water and then you, you slowly start boiling the water, the frog won't jump out. The frog will just sit there until it also boils over and, and dies. I only bring that up to say that you saw, okay, this is changing. And I'll have to decide from there, you know, how am I going to move? Not mm-hmm. everybody saw it. And so yeah. some people got caught up in it. And I just happened to come when the the, the water, water was boiling over. So I had no choice but to see it. I I bring it up to say there were people that didn't even want me to get on the app because there was a time. This is, I came right before they switched it where you didn't really need an invite anymore. I'm not even sure if you even need the invite. But I was, I came right at the cusp of you needed an invite to get in. And there were certain people, and I'm going to be honest with you, Brittany, it was black women in real estate. We got uh, the one or two that would have, that you would say would be nurturing. They were not nurturing. They didn't want me to get on that app. They weren't willing to send me one of their invites that they had. They were telling people in the same room that I'm having conversations with them. They're telling other people about getting on the app and then not giving me an invite. And they're doing it in front of my face on purpose. And so what they didn't know is I already had invites. I just never cared to get on the app. But then once I saw the game that was being played, I said, well, let me get on. So I get on the app. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts readjusting themselves. Keep in mind, I had been podcasting for two years. A lot of the people that had, uh, were getting on the app and uh, getting their notoriety, I'd interviewed a lot of these people or people that know them. I, I, I found myself as a, someone who tries to be a truth teller. I found myself being locked out of these rooms because a lot of them knew, because once again, when I got there, it was boiling over. A lot of them knew that the bullshit they were, they were pulling wasn't going to last forever. The the manipulating of, of people's minds, the trying to get money out of them that should have been just been a, a free exchange of information. It was I was real I was really disappointed. And a lot of these people are quote unquote bigger name people. I was just fascinated to see men and women and their behaviors once they had some type of status symbol Mm. not knowing that your clubhouse doesn't determine your status i don't know because i got late i don't know what triggered in their mind and maybe i'll never know i don't know what happened back then but somebody convinced them that if you're on stage and these people are in the crowd for those who have ever been on clubhouse you know what i'm talking about then you're better than them but you never know who's in the crowd you don't know their capabilities. Some of the smartest people may be sitting in the crowd and just taking notes to see what all is going on. And, I feel that way about social media in general. Yeah, well, the follower counts. We yeah. look at people's follower counts and say, well, you only have a thousand. So you're not right. important. It's like, well, that person may be the richest person in your city. Yep. <laughs> Oftentimes they are. <laughs> Oftentimes the people with less than 5,000 followers are the people who are financing the people who have a hundred thousand followers? Mm-hmm. I only brought that up to then roll into our to what you were talking about, and maybe we'll play the clip. Uh, maybe I need to pull the clip up. I want to play the clip 
of what you were talking about on Instagram. And I think people will enjoy hearing this. Let me pull it up here. For those who are watching right now, we are on Spotify. I am pulling up uh, the clip we have where Brittany talks about the talented 10th. Is that the correct way to say it? Yep, the talented 10th. And okay. for anybody who doesn't know what that is, um, it is, it's mm, attributed to W.E. Du Bois, um, and he wrote a series, and it's basically saying, and I'll explain in the clip too, but it's basically saying you take the the 10th most talented and you rise them up to the highest level, and they will bring everybody up behind them. So that's kind of the the premise. All right, we'll play the clip here. The talented 10th theory. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. Okay, so it basically says... Um, if you take 10% of the population, and in this case, we're talking about black people. So the theory was if 10% of black people rose to the, to, you know, the highest standard that in turn, it would pull everybody else up, but that's not what happened. And I always say that the, the talented 10 theory was a, a great theory. And I think it could work. The problem is we did it with the wrong gender the talented 10th theory have you ever obviously the clip goes on you're on the podcast here yeah so obviously just i'm sure there's more context to it so Mm -hmm. how did you get to this part in the conversation and is there anything that's not in this clip that could add more context to what you're saying oh that's such a great question i don't even remember (laughs) being honest (laughs) But there is a lot of context. There's a lot of conversation to be had around the subject. It is not black and white. It is not straight cut and simple. There are so many um, factors to why the wealth gap exists and to why things are the way they are. Um, But I still very much believe that had we made this something that was either focused on women or involved women in at all, that there would be a difference seen today. I don't disagree with that. So when I first, I'm going to pour my heart out on this episode. I always do, but I'm going to pour it out again. When I first saw your clip, it hurt. I was going to be completely honest with you. It hurt me because the way I interpret it I interpreted it as, oh, it should have been the talented 10th, just women. It should just be the, I guess it's 10. It should be the top tier women only. And the, the men aren't allowed to be in. So, and so in, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, so we're just going to do the reverse. These dudes kept the women out and, you know, how dare they? And so now women are going to keep men out because of what the men did to them. And so now we got to do two, 300 years of reverse bullshit. And so now the women are in charge and the men have to shut up. We tried that the other way. That's not going to work to me. It's not going to work either way. So that's my, that was my first thought from it. And then I, I took a day or two to let it sink in. I said, well, it's only a 30 second clip. I don't have full context, Right. And so that's when I reached out. I said, I want to talk about this. I want to push back against it. Uh, and I want to understand it. 
more than more than anything. I want to have clarity. So are you saying men shouldn't be in if we did a talented tent today, no men should be involved? No, that's not what I'm saying. So first of all, I'm saying that if we had done it with women, I think that it would have been a different outcome. Um, And I think also because of the society that we've been raised in, we look at things in a um, in a hierarchy. But when you give women power, it doesn't usually turn into the same hierarchy type of situation. The organizational charts start to be more um, horizontal, right, than vertical. And so if we were to do it today, and it was all women, I think we would still be incredibly inclusive of men. I'll tell you for women in real estate, it the women is in the title, it is for women. But half of our supporters are men. And they contribute immensely, we would not be in the same position, had we been exclusive of men or or if men had decided not to show up for us I think that we also have to consider when we're interpreting things through the uh, through a cultural lens um the way that the the majority operates in the United States is not the same dynamic as as how black people operate are if you're just looking at a fa- from a family structure there's more division of labor and there's more involvement from and more partnership between men and women um and i'm basing that opinion off of studies that show that black fathers and black men are more involved in their households and more involved with their children and and participate in a more active role when um, when being a part of a family. So I can understand why your feelings were hurt. And in fairness, I only have so much time to say what I need to say before people click off the video and I need <laughs> to get straight to the point, right? Right, right. But there are a lot of nuances in, in the whole conversation. And, and so there's a, there's just, there's a lot of levels to it. When I took my two or three days to, to process the comment, I said, well, I, I think the answer is, I mean, there's no exact answer, but just, you know, play along. So if the talented tenth before were all dudes, and let's just say that I interpreted your thought process as, well, the talented tenth should be all women. I think the the real answer, this is what I was going to come to you about before knowing the full context. It should be a balance of the the talented men and the talented women, and I'll add a caveat here, who have character. Because although your platform is women in real estate, but men are included, not everybody who says we're doing this for women wants to see men be be great. And sometimes there are some women, and I'll I'll put it on the men too, but there are some women who are purposely building these women communities to silence men, particularly black men. On the contrary, or also, there are some men who are putting together platforms to silence women. And particularly, 
black women. And I think if you have either one of those who are part of this talented tent, that means they have no character. This is doomed from the very beginning. So to me, it comes down to what is your character? What is your level of integrity? And how do you make sure that you're bringing balance overall to your overall vision? So it's not just one-sided. I I agree with you, actually. And I would say not only character, but what has your healing journey been like? Mm. Because that's where a lot of that comes from. Like, I... I I won't say I'm going to lean more towards like someone's trauma than their character, because if they haven't dealt with the pain, the frustration, the harm um, that has caused them, caused them to want to be, you know, to, to want to inflict silencing or, or harm to another, especially just based on their gender, um, you know, that, that speaks to some some issues that I am not qualified to fix. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. I mean, I just think that, that that's a whole nother level of um of of things that have to be addressed. And, and there are there there are a lot of people who have um experienced incredible amounts of pain, suffered at the hands of a, of someone who is the opposite gender. Um, but that that fight has to be, um, I think, won internally before it destroys the collective. I agree. What do you think the reasoning was why women weren't asked to be part of or involved in the talented tent? Do you did you find that in your studies, or do you have a synopsis of how do you think that happened? I did not find it. Um, it. it, 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 it. I think historically what we've seen is that women have been less valued. You know, that's, I, that's just what it is. That That's how it's always been. Um, the, the, I did get, I have an excerpt from uh, one of the articles okay. and it, it specifies men and, and given the time of the time in which it was written, I don't know that he would really even be able to include women in in this article and for it to ha- not be a distraction to the overall message. So I don't I can't speak to his intentions, but the the quote, the excerpt says um, the Negro race, like all races, is going to be saved by its exceptional men. The problem of education then amongst Negroes must first of all deal with the talented tent. It is the bet sorry, it is the problem of developing the best of this race that may be able to guide the mass away from the contamination and death of the worst in their own race and other races. Mm. I chose that because he was very specific about men. And then he goes on to talk about how you know, educating men is not easy. And he also, uh, to, to, the, to the credit of the idea, he's also very specific in saying um, that it's not just about having a trade and it's not just about being book smart per se, it's about having values and character and, and instilling that into this talented tenth as well. Um, and so, you know, you kind of just got to take it for for what it is. Uh, 
I don't know if he was purposefully excluding women, but I know that, or I strongly doubt that women had an equal footing in this in this experience in this plan. So then I'm I'm going to ask us to fast forward to 2022, and you're on the front lines in this wealth movement, black wealth movement, and wealth movement overall. Are there decisions being made today that you see excluding you and other women out of? If they are, can we explore that? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to speak to anybody's intentions, but what I will say is what I've noticed in, in just my personal experience is not so much a maliciousness. It is a lack of awareness, especially in real estate. It is a boys club oftentimes. And it is that way because people like to do business with people who are like them. The same way that people of other races like to do business with themselves, right? People of similar genders or of the same gender like to do business among themselves they have common interests they want to talk about the same things they want to do the same activities and so in the last couple years especially as we've attended more conferences and um you know developed relationships that are out we're outside of like what our our typical like geographic area is our our normal bubble it became very apparent that the men wanted to work with the men mm. and, and and not that they wouldn't help us, not that they didn't show up for us, not that they weren't encouraging, not that they weren't, uh, didn't share resources, education, advice, nothing like that. But when there was an opportunity or a partnership or a, a collaboration of some sort, they wanted to be with each other. And I, that it just is what it is. And so all we can do is create spaces where we can do the same thing. How does that impact your bottom line in the world of investing when guys only want to do business with other guys? How many deals does that keep you out of? I I don't think I could quantify that. I, I don't know. Um I would say if you're in a situation and you have an opportunity to do business with your best friend or do business with an acquaintance, probably going to pick your best friend. Right. But I also say that money is green and I would not be in this development deal had um, a man not partnered with me and guided me and helped me, you know, seize the opportunity. So it's not black or white. So I'll ask, a, I'm going to play God's advocate here. Is it almost, is it possibly, I'm not condoning it when I'm asking this question, but it could it be a good thing to not be involved with someone who doesn't want me involved? Like in the long run to like, do I really want to be business partners with someone 
who would try to exclude someone who looks like me anyway? Or is that not a fair way to think? No, no, listen, that's how I think. Um, I'm a very, I'm very much a God has for me what's for it, what's for me type of person. So um, I believe that people who aren't here for my highest and best good will be removed from my life, from my, from my surroundings. So I, I'm not going to get bent out of shape about it. Um, But like you said, it's not something I want to condone either. So, but, and I just, I want particularly Black men to view this in the lens of how they would feel or how they do feel when encountering these similar situations with white men. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that, it's very easy it's much easier to understand where somebody is coming from when you can relate it to a similar experience that you've had. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, um, you know, men could better understand what it's like if they look at their relationship or their interactions with men of a, of a different race. We talked about how you and I are both not um, doctors as far as I know, we can't really diagnose it all. We can't really, it's above what, you know, maybe our uh, calling is uh, so far, but hurt people hurt people. So if these black male investors, black investors who happen to be men have been hurt by white investors who happen to be men, hurt people hurt people. And so wherever that may go, wherever that hurt may go, unfortunately it could go to other other men and obviously it can go to women i think it's important for us to start calling it out without the general public saying oh you're just hating Mm -hmm. because then it silences the accountability that's something else i've noticed is no one wants to be held accountable for anything at this juncture it's almost like everybody can do whatever the hell they want to do until the shit hits the fan and then now all of a sudden well no one told me you didn't let them talk you didn't let them speak you didn't let them say well hey this is wrong you shouldn't be doing that what are your thoughts on accountability in real estate i think it's in it's important But I will also say that some you got to pick and choose your battles. Like, Mm. and I I feel like I was never that person. Um, And I feel like as I've gotten older and more tired, I'm just like, you know what? (laughs) Do what you want. (laughs) Like, Just do what you want because I don't have the energy to to fight everybody on everything. And so I, I want people to be held accountable. But is that going to be me 100% of the time? Probably not. Because I just don't have it in me. There, there are so many things that we have to do. So many people that we have to help. I just, sometimes it's, it's you pick your battles. I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but I just want I just want your truth. And so if that's your truth, I accept it. I'm going to ask this question. Have you ever seen women exclude men out of deals because there are men? 
You don't no. have to say no names. Just curious. I have not seen it happen. We will have a conversation of like, is there a woman who can fill this role before we go offer it to a man? Because women have been disenfranchised, you know, like we want to give the opportunity to the, to the people who need the opportunity most. Mm -hmm. Um, But never have I heard a conversation that was like, oh yeah, I don't do business with men or I don't want them here because they're a man or anything like that. Understood. I want to make sure I get this on record. Um, Hopefully you and I will have many more conversations. Um, Next time you're in Charlotte, I definitely want to sit down and and I'll chop it up with you. What is your vision when it comes to closing the racial wealth gap or the wealth gap in general? What is your overall vision and how can people who are listening uh, help play a role in your vision? That is a very loaded question because my vision, I feel like is, is always evolving. Mm -hmm. I'm always learning. I'm always studying. I'm, I'm researching. I'm, I'm, putting more pieces of the puzzle together. I I don't think that real estate is the answer to the wealth gap. I think it is one of several pillars. There's um, education and there's health and there is, you know, generational familial trauma. There is, you know, there's just all of these components that I think are incredibly important to getting us to where we need to go. But what I did what what I have looked at. Um, there was a, a, a article I came of came about um, RussellSage.org, and it was it was incredibly thorough and well done. Hmm. And it was talking about what would have to happen for the wealth gap to close in the next thirty years. Now. They're talking about a purely economic standpoint, and I think if we don't address a lot of the systematic and underlying and hidden damage that has been done to Black people in this country over the course of hundreds of years, and when you think about colonization, thousands of years, right, like, I think you could economically solve the problems and make an equal playing field and there would still be long lasting issues that came from things that have already have already happened. But this is the excerpt from that. It says black households. So the question is, what would need to happen to close the gap in the next 30 years? And it says black households would either need 12, 12.5% income growth, a 33% savings rate a 6.4% capital gains rate or a 75% rate of return. These can be compared to the rates for white populations, which we take from the data um, for our growth in- gross income. I'm trying to like summarize it, but basically what, what, this, what these numbers are currently for white folks is income growth of um, 1.8%. Right. I just Mm. said it would have to be 12.5% for Black people. And this was for 2016. Mm -hmm. A savings rate of 8% compared to a savings rate for Black people of 33%. A capital gains rate of 6% in care in comparison to our 6.4. And a rate of return of 4% in comparison to a rate of return of 75%. We, We also have to talk about the issue of inheritance. 
you know, a, a lot of a lot of this unequal playing field starts before birth because you are born into a family that can give you the money that you need for a house or give you the money that you need instead of borrowing it in student loans. And then we ta start talking about student loans and we start talking about higher education and how Black women are paid 37, 38% less than white men. They have more student loans that like, I mean, these problems just keep compounding on top of each other. There, there's, I, I, the answer is I don't know how to fix it. I don't think anybody knows how to fix it. I think it has to be just a conscious decision that we are all going to do whatever we can to make it better. And, and I think by acting collectively, and I think by at least everyone acknowledging the issues, the very obvious, well-researched, well-documented historical facts, you know, I think that would be a great start. I think that, that could significantly help us to get there. Now, the only other thing I wanted to tell you on, on that same, um, that same thread was that, oh man, and I hope I can find it. Okay. So, Researchers and policymakers have introduced proposals such as reparations, which specifically target this legacy of, slacial, of slavery on the racial wealth gap. And they go on to say um, that if everyone was given, every, every person who was a descendant of an enslaved American um, was given about $276,000, about 40 million people would be eligible and that was one of the only things that they could find that would actually substantially put us on on track to converge the wealth gap. Um, it wasn't <laughs> it, it it wasn't change the educational system. It wasn't save more money. It wasn't it wasn't anything else. It was really like if you want to do this anytime soon, you need to give people reparations. And that's a very uh, hot topic. So, <laughs> you know, before we press record today, you and I had a chance to talk for like five minutes or so beforehand. And I felt our frequency frequencies aligning. You and I have never officially talked before this, maybe on Instagram, but we never actually talked. Talk. And so I felt our frequencies aligning. Why do I say this? As you were reading the first statistics, I my next question to you was going to be, what are your thoughts on reparations? Well, sure enough, you've already had the stats there. And so I, I don't want to get uh, too political because, you know, this is more of a, a different conversation. But do you support a form of reparations? Are you allowed to talk about that or? A hundred percent. Yes. I, yes. I think that if you go to another continent and enslave people and bring them to your country and they literally do all the work that gave your country the wealth that it has today you should probably give them their money <laughs> i think that's a really easy concept right i think the i think what is hard for people is they feel attacked they feel like they now have to pay for something that they had no part in I understand that they feel um, 
that something is being taken away from them. And that comes from a thought process of, of lack versus abundance. You know, people start to say, well, if you, if you rise up, then I have to be pushed down. Right. Um, so that's, that's the second barrier. I think we're, we're going to struggle with as a society. Um, but it really makes sense. Other groups of people in our country have been awarded reparations. I I don't know why you wouldn't give reparations to the people that you literally enslaved and had build your, your country. Like, I just, I don't think there is a rational explanation as to why we should not get reparations. I think the conversation is how can our, how can our country make it make sense financially and I've heard some very compelling arguments as to why it does make financial sense, but I, that I'm not an expert in that, you know, I just, I, I think it's a, I think it should be done. I think it can be done. Understood. Now I know we probably have to go soon. I really am enjoying this conversation. Um, So hopefully you and I, we do stay in touch and continue conversing and sharing Intel because part to me, one of the biggest ways of wealth transfer is intelligence. If I can share intelligence with you that other people don't know about, that's the true wealth. But we'll we'll get to that in a second or maybe in the future. So I have a theory. I have a theory and I got to throw it at you. I think you're one of the, the rare people that I can talk to about this. Bear with me here. Now, I know you're genuine about this. How do I know? I just sit here and talk to you for an hour. I can tell you care. I can tell your heart is in the right place. My discernment is kicking in and I can tell. Do you think people are using the racial wealth gap or the wealth gap as a slogan and they don't really mean it? Have you seen any evidence that people are saying, yeah, racial wealth gap, we got to close it. But then when when you actually peel back the, the Wizard of Oz curtain, they don't give it. They're not doing anything in actual actionable steps. To close a racial wealth gap, they may be uh, not not allowing women in on their deals, or they may not uh, want to work with other black people. Now that they're with the white people, they don't they don't need any black people on their deals. But yet they market themselves and brand themselves around the the, the wealth gap, and none of it is real. Have you seen any evidence of this, or is this am I? Maybe I'm. I have not seen that happening yeah. among black people. Okay. I would say that there is a very big, um, it is advantageous for large corporations to work with people of color. And that it's not always about doing what you, what I think is the right thing. It's about financially, it being financially advantageous. Um, so I, I will say that. I, I'll also say that some people aren't malicious. They're just inept. Um, and, and this is, and I'm a very kumbaya, crystal wearing, everybody loves everybody type of person. So that's probably why I feel this way. 
Mm-hmm. But I think that most people are not trying to be malicious. They are scarred. They're hurt. They're, you know, they're just fucked up. I mean, so I, I have not seen any evidence. I have not seen any evidence. Would I be surprised? No. But do I have I seen it happening? No. Do I do I can I think of anybody that I think is doing that? No. I'm gonna share something with you. There a year ago, there was this thing, uh, a huge financial leak called the Pandora Papers. The Pandora Papers uh comprised of over 130 billionaires. Um and up to $32 trillion worth of money globally that was all uh, found to be offshore and most of it untaxable. Uh, This was the largest financial leak of documents ever. And the majority, we did an episode about this about two months ago, on October 4th, and so a month ago. And it was a year anniversary of the Pandora Papers. We we re- we reviewed the initial hearing at the Ways and Means uh, hearing in Congress Senate. One of those, one of those two, and we listened to the hearing and we we got all the facts in it, and it's it's amazing. It's a really great episode. Check it out. I bring it up to say this: very few, if any, black media sites reported on this. The reason why I bring that up. The majority of the people who reported on this were white-owned media. Now, why does that matter? Well, in these financial documents, it shows you where the wealth is stored. Now, they don't want the information out, and it is controversial, but it shows you where the wealth is stored. It shows you the 14 firms that offer the offshore uh, handling of the, the wealth management. It shows you how you can leverage trust and foundations and all these really great wealth tools. It shows you everything. But when I when I did the research and you really type in Pandora Papers, black media ain't talking about this. They but on on this on the same breath, they're saying we're for the wealth the, the wealth gap and closing it. And I'm saying, but the Pandora Papers was the largest leak and involved over a hundred different media sites. All the media sites are basically white owned or in Africa. So my concern, my concern is if we care about the wealth gap, why don't we have this information? So we put the episode out. All of a sudden people are reaching out to me. Oh, I didn't know this existed. Oh, how do we, you know, what what do we do? The Pandora, there's a, when you type in Pandora papers, there's a, a link within the first few, you can click on it. It will give you access to where all the financial uh, information is they, this is thorough and i haven't heard i've typed in on 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 the different podcast channels the youtube channels i've looked everywhere these people aren't talking about the pandora papers while other people are talking about it and taking advantage and leveraging this information so then they can close the racial wealth gap i pass this level of intelligence on to you my sister because i want you to know about it if you dig into this information, you will then see even bigger, almost bigger than the reparations talk, which I never thought there would be anything bigger than reparations. Almost bigger than a reparations talk is the conversation of how the wealth is moved. 
Because even if we get the $200,000 for the reparations, what happens the next day? So we get the 200,000 and then we're all, we're ready, right? Okay, we're all, now it's even playing field. But now how's the wealth moved? How do you, how do you play the game? If you don't know how to play the game, it's safe to say in 50 years, it could all go swimming back. It, it would go, it would go back. It would go back. And it's because, so one of the, like the core principles that I think have to be a part of eliminating the wealth gap is tax and legacy planning. Yes. Has to. People don't have wills. They don't have life insurance. They don't have trust. They're not setting up their trust properly. They're not managing their LLCs properly. Um, This is one thing that women in real estate has done incredibly well. We have, you know, very, very, very knowledgeable CPAs uh, and attorneys that are giving professional advice, right? And so, and and we give our members access to all of that because you're right. The transfer of wealth is so important. You see it even in, um, in how land, black land is being attacked because things didn't get transferred properly. And back then they really couldn't, you know, I I come from a family where um, on my biological father's side, you know, land in Cayman Islands that people can't figure out no will no trust no management no nothing just craziness money lots of money at stake but nobody can get it together because nothing was ever put in place you you look at my grandmother's side in South Carolina and you know my family owned half of a town and and that looks like almost nothing anymore right because stuff was stolen stuff wasn't recorded stuff wasn't allowed to be recorded stuff was sold like that is a that is probably one of the most important pieces to the puzzle is effectively transferring wealth learning how the system works having advisors in place that are really um for the culture and down for the cause to give really good advice and then sharing that advice. So I I 100% agree with you, but I also will say two things. In terms of media, a lot of media we think is owned by us is not owned by us. Correct. Um, So that's number one. I think there is a concerted effort to focus on things that do not improve our circumstance or condition. Um, and I think that there are decision makers who could be helpful, but are ignorant. So again, I don't think it's malicious necessarily. I just don't think that people are. You have such a kind spirit. You think everything is just, everybody just getting along. Okay, Britt. I will say this. I know you can see some of the stuff, maybe not everything we're talking about today. I think you're one of the most important voices in the space, really, in in real estate. I've been watching. I've been paying attention. I've been sitting back. I'm 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 an observer, and so I'm watching the game. I think you have an important message. I want you to continue this message. You don't need me to tell you this, but I I want you to continue. Um, you do have uh, black men in your corner, 
uh, and not even in your corner, because sometimes the corner is not enough. So you do have black men on your side and standing beside you and sometimes standing in front of you to make sure that we can take some of the hits. And so I think the reason why I was so hurt by the comment without the context was I was like, no, not Brittany saying this. Like I'm just sitting, I'm like, no, this can't be. And then I took time. And then of course we're talking today. I'm on your side. I want to see you win. I want to see everybody win. Man, women, all of us got to do it together. It's how I've always viewed it. And so, and I know that spaces that you're creating are important because you women need a safe place to go because men are playing these stupid ass games. I get it. All I ask is for any women listening, don't then use that to exclude black men. Because then what, do you, what are we doing? You have an important message. We are with you. I want to stay connected. And uh, I thank you so much for sharing what some may see as controversial topics, but I think these are conversations we need to have right now. So in a hundred years, when they look back, they can say it, at least they're talking about it. Like if we don't talk about nothing, if we hold everything in and we don't share intel with each other, how do we ever expect to get to another place on, on uh, when it comes to frequency and when it comes to investing? How do we expect to get there if we're not communicating with one another? And so hopefully this conversation uh, serves somewhat of that purpose to have the conversation. Any final thoughts before we head out? I love this conversation. I think we should make this some type of regular conversation, whether it's here, whether it's live, whether, oh, I don't care. But I agree with you. These conversations need to be had and they need to be had regularly, regularly. Um, I think there's, um, there's so much power in synergy and alignment. And when you find people who believe like you believe and want to do the work, like you want to do the work, it can be incredibly powerful. And I, and I also want to say that you're a hundred percent right. I do and have had black men stand in front of me and take the hits so that I can take a step forward. So I I will never not be in support of Black men. I will never exclude Black men. Um, I've been, I mean, I've been incredibly blessed by Black men, so. I'm going to add a caveat mm-hmm. to what you just said. Because sometimes people need to be excluded. Follow me here. Everybody, wait a second before y'all jump on me. Let me say that. <laughs> Hold on. Sometimes people need to be excluded because of character. Mm-hmm. Not because, and it just so happens that you're a man or you're a woman. No, your character sucks. Not you, but people. I know. Right? Listen. <laughs> so I know. I, I want to put that caveat there because, hey, I may say, I don't want to work with you. And that person may be a woman, but it's not because you're a woman or. I don't want to work with you. It's not because you're a black man. It's because I don't know about your character. Or because I know about your character. Because I've seen what you do when nobody's looking and I can't, I can't with you. (laughs) And honestly, like that happens, that happens a lot. I think that if, 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 
going back to that question of like, have I heard women exclude men from deals or things like that? I think that would be like, if somebody heard me say, oh, I don't work with him. It's probably because his character is fucked up. It's in nine times out of 10 and who I don't want to get in trouble, but <laughs> nine times out of 10, it's because he doesn't respect the woman that he has married and promised in front of God and his family and friends. And my opinion is if you can't respect your wife, mm. if you can't respect the the value taken before God, how are you going to treat me and my money? Thanks. So, you know, or just like just your word in general, right? Maybe you didn't take an oath, but just like your word. Now, let me put a caveat on this. I'm all for people doing what makes them happy. Be in an open relationship if you want to be in an open relationship. Be polyamorous. Be poly whatever. I don't care. I just feel like telling the truth is what's important. Having integrity is what's important. And if you are walking around, sneaking around real estate conferences and events, I'm not fucking with you. (laughs) That's just it. That's just it. I, I, I appreciate this is I appreciate the honesty. Um, I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> no, no, no names have been used. It's all yeah, good. but the people's feelings are gonna be hurt. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, Brittany Rose, I thank you for the work that you're doing. Oh, and so just for our audience, if if there are women or men who are interested in supporting uh, your your uh, organization or working with your organization. How do they do, how do they go about that process? Yeah. Okay. So sorry, totally skipped that. Um, so if you're interested in anything involving women in real estate, um, like our nationwide real estate team, if you need a realtor anywhere across the country to buy, sell, and invest, please reach out to us. You can the best way, honestly, is Instagram. My Instagram is um at b.theboss. I try to answer every single like comment, every single message. If you follow me, I try to send everybody a DM just saying, hey, is there anything I can help you with? Um, so it is overwhelming. So some, if I don't get back to you, blame my head, not my heart. Like I'm, I try. Um, so that would be for, or if you want to become a WIRE member, we have like a whole library of resources. We're really, um, we really take pride in connecting our members to funding resources, mentorship, like whatever you need to get you to the next level. Um, If you, you know, are interested in development or interested in just growing as a real estate investor or going from home ownership all the way into development, I'm launching Build with Brittany. And it's a series that um, is really meant to bring education and resources to get you from wherever you are to wherever you're trying to go in your wealth creation journey. Um, and then I guess, uh, trying to think, oh, um, if you're interested in in passively investing, if, if you're not at a point where real estate is the thing you want to do, but you recognize that it's an important part of building wealth, um, you know, there's a link in my Instagram bio, a Calendly link, put time on my calendar, And we'll talk about like, what's your hundred year legacy plan? What does that look like for you and your family? Um, And what types of investments should you be looking at? 
I love that. And I'm not a financial advisor, not a financial advisor, but I can at least tell you the pros and cons, the things to look out for, the the avenues that might work for you. I love that. A hundred year legacy plan. That's a really great vision. Um, so everybody um, make those moves. If you are empowered by this conversation, inspired by this conversation, I uh, definitely think Brittany is a great person for you to reach out to and either begin or continue your real estate journey. I want to thank everybody for tuning in for this special um, season finale bonus of Black Equity Podcast. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you, Brittany, for joining us. Thank you.